worship. Let's get on our feet this morning. Nothing's wasted, not a second in my 
Good morning. Welcome to First Press Tampa. For those of you in the room and those of you online, we know that there's a lot of places you could be on a Sunday morning, and we're so glad that you woke up and decided to be here this morning because I promise you, God has something in store for you. I woke up this morning thinking about a story in the Bible. It's found in Mark chapter 10, and Jesus and his disciples come across a man who is blind. And Jesus stops what he's doing, and he looks the man in the eye, and I kind of imagine him extending his hand towards him, and he asks the blind man, what do you want me to do for you? I kind of imagine the disciples behind being like, oh my gosh, Jesus, the dude's blind. Like, come on, man, it's obvious. What do you want me to do for you? He's blind. He wants to see. But I don't think Jesus asks him the question, what do you want me to do for you? Because he doesn't know he's blind. It's not a rhetorical question. Jesus is giving this man his full attention. He's giving him the space for the man to speak the deepest desire of his heart. And so for you this morning, Jesus is looking you in the eye. He's extending his hand towards you, and he's asking you, what do you want me to do for you? He's giving you his undivided attention in a way that no one else ever has and no one else ever could. And we have the opportunity to whisper back to him the depths of who we are, the depths of what we need, because he is the answer to all of it. If you're new, we're so glad that you're here. We would love to welcome you into the fold of this family. And the best way to do that is by filling out a Connect card. You can find paper ones around the campus. You can scan the QR code and fill it out that way. And that way we can just connect with you and get to know you. And then the last thing we wanted to let you know is in your seat this morning, there was a flyer that tells you about everything going on related to Christmas and celebrations and service opportunities. And we update this flyer every single week. So if you picked it up last week or the week before, don't think it's the same thing. We are actively updating it and putting new information on there. We don't want you to miss it. Please pray with me. Jesus, thank you that when you stand face to face with us, when you look us in the eye, when you extend your hand toward us, everything stops. And Jesus, you ask us the question, what do you want me to do for you? And so in the silence of our hearts, Jesus, thank you. We're going to have this space right now where we can answer you back. Jesus, thank you that you long to know us. Thank you that you long for a relationship with us. And thank you, Jesus, that you care enough to ask us the questions of what do we need and what do we want. We come before you, Jesus, with people who have those very requests. We pray over the Campbell family. We thank you for Bob um, and his successful uh, open heart surgery, Jesus. We just pray for continued healing over his body and his life. We thank you for saving and preserving his life, Jesus. And God, we also pray over Dana McDonald's friend, Sufa Berry, battling cancer. Jesus, we pray for a mighty act of healing over her life, and we thank you for the support that she has from friends like Dana and her family. Jesus, thank you for this morning, and thank you that we get to be in this place surrounded with these people on this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Thank you. When we used to be located in downtown Tampa, God brought to our very doorsteps men and women who were struggling to survive on the streets of downtown Tampa without food or shelter. I took pictures because I wanted you to know the truth. The pictures you see of these men and women sleeping on the porch of our church are God's beloved children. And even though we have moved to this location, we are un waveringly committed to these men and women 
through our ministry called Matthew 25, where we serve them with food and clothing and social services and the love of Jesus. Why? Because it was in Matthew 25 that Jesus said this. He said this to his followers. When I was hungry, you gave me something to eat. When I was thirsty, you gave me a drink. And you clothed me when I needed clothing. And his disciples said, what? Lord, when did we ever see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? Or needing clothing and giving you clothes? And Jesus' response to them was, here's the truth. Whenever you do it for these brothers and sisters, you are doing it to me. Well, we know right now the three greatest needs that our downtown homeless friends have besides food is the hope of Jesus, blankets, and backpacks. And that's why I want to introduce to you my friend, Claire Stockstad, who is an eighth grader at Berkeley Prep and who's been serving in the ministry of Matthew 25 faithfully. Wait till you hear what God put on her heart. Hi, everyone. I'm Claire. And I just wanted to see how many people own a backpack or have owned a backpack because I know I have. And I know that when we buy a backpack or get a backpack, we're not always as grateful that we are as the people downtown are. And one thing that I've noticed that they don't give out downtown besides like food, water, is backpacks. And the thing that they do give out is plastic bags, which is really bad for the environment, and they always complain that it hurts their hands. So if we all like donate backpacks to the thing out right outside the door, then we will, we're raising 150 backpacks, and we already have 31, and they're going to be given to the homeless uh, for the Matthew 25 breakfast line, and yeah. On so, December 3rd. Yes, on December 3rd. And this is just really near and dear to my heart because I love serving there, and it's just so fun to serve there, so thank you. And she serves with all her heart, looking each and every one in the eye. Because Jesus said, again, whenever you give to these brothers and sisters of mine, you are giving this to me. So every backpack given, every blanket that we're asking to collect, of which we need 200, blankets, backpacks, everyone given is giving a gift to Jesus himself. And every time you choose to give back to God using one of these six platforms that you will see coming up, when you do that, you're helping keep the ministry flourishing and thriving at First Pres. And indeed, that is giving to Jesus himself as well. So to everyone that you will be blessing, thank you so much. And thank you for the 200 blankets we're going to collect and the 120-plus more backpacks we're going to collect because of this generous church. Amen. Thank you. Oh, <laughs> you're awesome. Let's stand together. You did an amazing job. The splendor of the King Let all the earth rejoice, let all the earth rejoice. He wraps himself in light. Darkness tries to hide and trembles at his voice, and trembles at his voice. How great.
We're trying to figure out how to repair broken relationships, and we're trying to do it using a biblical understanding of what God wants us to do and how what God wants us to go about it. And we're going to have a great time thinking about more really helpful things this morning. But I thought it would be important to totally change the subject for a second and pause. And I'm going to move this out of the way. I hope you can see online, and the person on the camera may want to zoom in. Um, this Friday is the eighth anniversary of Jackie Faircloth's accident. And since that Sunday morning, those pink and blue ribbons that I know you can barely see and you probably can't see them online, but they're here. And they've been in the building with us since that Sunday morning. I look just now, Thanksgiving in 2014 was the 27th of November. So Friday night, the 28th of November, 2014, Jackie was hit. I see her aunt in the room right now. I don't know about her other relatives. John, her, mom, her dad, but Kathy, her mom, and JT, her brother. She was up there with JT as a senior in high school. And we've been praying for them ever since. And I'm just going to stop right now, and we're going to pray for the Faircloth family as they approach Thanksgiving and as they approach the anniversary of Jackie's injury. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we pray for Jackie. And she knows that we do that, and she knows that we think about her. But there she is, still fighting this injury where her brain and her body have just not been able to put themselves back together again. And her mom and dad and brother and all family members and others faithfully continuing to just go with her down this journey. And we, we don't know what to say. And yet here we are. 
and we're brothers and sisters and we're a family of faith. And what I know they all know is that we care and we do not forget. And really, we, don't, we can't do anything else, but we can do that. And we do it well and we're going to keep doing it well. So we pray somehow that you would miraculously move in Jackie's life. And we've been praying that for eight years and we're going to keep praying it. And we won't forget and these ribbons are going to help us remember Thank you that you are the God of the universe. In one way or the other, all of these things will be put right again when the king sits on his throne and puts the entire universe back into order. It's in the king's name that we've gathered today. Amen. So, just had to do that. So, back to a biblical model, a biblical process for repairing damage in relationships, for, re, for, for repairing broken relationships. And remember, we're talking about a beginner's guide. It's easy for me to stand up here and talk about this stuff. But as soon as I'm finished today, and as soon as we leave here, we're going back into the real world. And for many of us, we have relationships that are damaged, and there's something inside us that's bugging us. And we'd like for it not to be that way. And we've tried some stuff. It doesn't work. One of the things we've facetiously suggested is the C4 method of relationship management. And I'm getting teased because I mispronounced coerce. Where are you, Tony? So coerce. So we've said, we've tried, we default by trying to convince, coerce, convict, and con uh, control. Thank you. Doesn't work. In fact, I'll say this. A person recently said that in a broken relationship in this person's family, the person started out trying to convince the injured person who happened to have been an, a, an adult child of the person I'm listening to. The, the adult child, this, the, the offender tried to convince the adult child that the offender wasn't really at fault and began to see the folly and you know what this person decided to do instead? Just love the person unconditionally. Hang out. Just be with. And over time, an, an adult who is a child of the person and the person, things have been coming back together again. In other words, the relationship is restoring because none of those things work. But what does work? And we go to Scripture. It wouldn't bother me at all for you at home and everybody in the room to get their Bible out. <laughs> and it wouldn't bother me at all because this is what we're going to do. We're going we're to look at lots of passages. And we're going to look at one today right now that we've looked at before. And it comes from the Apostle Paul. And he's writing to people who have become followers of Jesus in the city of Philippi. Which if you look on a map, you have the Greek peninsula. And up above, so probably called Macedonia is the country. Today it is. And on, in there is a city called Philippi. It was named by Alexander the Great after his father to honor his father, Philip, Philippi. So Paul writes these words to the beginnings, to, to, to this burgeoning brand new birth, baby born, a little group of people who were Jesus followers. Today we call that a church, but it means a collection of Jesus followers. Look what Paul says to them. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus. And what we've said about that is this. It means that we have to love people. We don't get to nuke them and write them off, even if they are 99% at fault in the brokenness in the relationship. You don't get to nuke them. If you aren't a Jesus follower, yeah, you can. If you'd like to nuke them, I'm, I'm not, I can't tell you what to do or not do if you're, if you're not a Jesus follower. But I'll tell you right now what Paul says. If we're Jesus followers, this challenge is high. The bar is way up here. We treat each other the way we've been treated. Have the same mindset as Jesus. So here's what I thought I would do this morning. Just read a little bit more of it for you. Again, I'm in Philippians chapter 2, verse 5, but I'm going to read 6 and 7 as well. And you can read along with me if you'd like. It really is a phenomenal thing that Paul is saying here. So here's what he says. Verse 5, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Jesus had. And then a poem. It really is a hymn. 
So as we sit and sing, and you may have a really favorite song you like to sing when you're gathered together for worshiping God, these folks were singing, and this was one of their hymns, this little thing. At least most, most scholars think it was a hymn. And there's rhyme and rhythm in it in the language of the Greek language, which we miss completely in English. But look at it. Mindset of Jesus. And what about the mindset? Well, Paul's going to tell you because he's going to quote this hymn. Who, though being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Other translations might be, say, who did not consider equality with God something to be grasped or held on to. I'll just, a oh, teeny bit of Greek. There's a single Greek noun harpognon right here so that and it's unclear about how to translate it so sometimes it gets oh where'd it go Oop, bumped it there it is did not consider equality with god something to be held to hold on to or something to be used to your own advantage i think it means both he didn't do that that's not what he did rather he emptied himself fantastic greek verb cannot owe he emptied himself. The translation here said made himself nothing. By taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and verse 8, and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Jesus, second member of the Trinity, preexistent co-creator. Fancy language there. You like that? empties himself, doesn't hang on to his godness, but in order to love and serve us, empties himself of all that prerogative and privilege and takes on our humanity and is obedient to the point of death. He who never offended becomes all of the offense of the universe, and we end up with a cross. Two really cool things that you've never heard before. First thing is this. Philippi was a Roman colony. Remember, Greece, water, Italy. You with me? Rome, over in Italy. Greece, when Philip and Alexander conquered the world, they made Roman colonies, official places, like it was as if you lived in Italy. And Philippi was one of them. And why? There were lots and lots of Roman soldiers who needed a place to live in retirement, and the emperor didn't want to crowd Rome. <laughs> so he gave these Roman retired soldiers a place to live in another city. It was a great, bustling, vibrant town. And here's what's really important to understand. They were extremely nationalistic. They loved the Roman thing. They loved the idea of an emperor. And they loved the idea of being servants of the emperor. And you know what emperors never do? Empty themselves. Ever. And if you don't think Paul knew that, if you don't think Paul understood that his, the ears of his listeners in the city of Philippi saw the Roman emperor who always puts himself up on the top of the throne as the way they saw reality. And Paul says, oh, no, he flips it. There's another really cool thing. All the Jewish ears that are hearing this hyperlink Adam and Eve. What did Adam and Eve try to do? seize it for themselves. Paul's Jewish listeners certainly saw that. And he absolutely was trying to say to those who were Jewish, you think that grabbing it for yourself is the way to go. Because see, the, the thing that happened is Adam and Eve had it really great in the garden, but they wanted to grab a hold of the godness and make all those decisions for themselves. And look what happened. Relational vandalism catastrophe. They're separated now from God and they're separated from each other. Uh, chapter four, Cain kills Abel. We have murder introduced four chapters into the Bible. Why? Because the human beings saw this God thing that was there. They had a great going with God and the, the ability to choose between good and evil. God's in charge of that, but they say, no, I'm grabbing it. And Paul is absolutely making it really clear. The way we do it, friends, it's like Jesus, not like Caesar, not like Adam and Eve. That's way deeper than you were expecting to go. And you're wondering, how am I going to remember all that? And what you're going to do is text me, and I'll be happy to tell it to you again. 
that's really, really, really important to understand this unbelievable person, the Apostle Paul, and how he's trying to help you and me understand what it means to be Jesus' followers. Because he says, friends, do it the way Jesus did it. Another word that really helps us get at that is humility. So here's what happens when we have a relationship get sideways. You may have seen this between your children. One kid hurts the other kid, and here's what the kid says, the, the offended. Sorry. Right? That's what, and here's what's really important. You have to introduce a pronoun. If you want this to really matter, if you want it to be transformational, and we're all about real relationships and real transformation. You have to introduce I. I'm sorry. Sorry doesn't work. That's just the kids saying it because you made them. Pronouns make a lot of difference. I'm sorry. The only way you can say I'm sorry is if you're trying to take on the mindset of Jesus who's willing to do whatever it takes to begin the process of repair and rebuilding. Even though he was innocent completely, and you and I always have a little bit of responsibility, even when we think they were the one totally wrong. I'm sorry. It's transformational. It's humility. So one of the key ingredients in being able to be a person who's biblical in conflict resolution, in repairing broken relationships, is we have to understand that we need to be humble, and the opposite of humility probably for me is pride, and that's the reason many of the things that I have to wrestle with are about pride. I, I was right, you were wrong, I, that's it. So here's what happens. A kid gets to about middle school, and the parent says to tell your brother you're sorry, and here's what the kid says, brother, you're sorry. That's not what we mean either. That's not real humility. What, we talk, what we're talking about is if we understand this powerful thing that Paul has said, have a mindset like Jesus. Oh, it's so challenging. If you feel challenged, you might be thinking right now, Fitz, you are smoking narcotics. I am not doing this. That person hurt me. And yes, they did. Jesus followers, I'm, I'm just telling you what the text says. We don't get the choice. We have to find a way to rebuild. That's what we're saying. Now, reminding you that the goal here isn't what we've been saying. The goal isn't reconciliation. The reason we say that is because I can't control whether or not you respond to my open to my welcome mat. I can roll out the mat. I can open the door. I can throw down the drawbridge. I can get rid of the weaponry. But you have to choose to do your side of it. So we, we, we're not talking about reconciliation to go. We pray for it. We wish for it. We want for it. We work for it. We beg for it. But the goal has to be thought of differently. No regrets. And what that means is I've done everything I can do. Everything I can do so that I have no regrets. You may still regret the brokenness if you do everything you can do and someone still doesn't want to be a part of the relationship. That, I, I don't mean it that way. I mean no regrets in, in the sense of have I done everything I can do. One person texted Kathy uh, two weeks ago and said, what are they getting at here? Meaning, what are we getting at doing this? I hope they're not saying try harder. And I've been thinking about that since this friend said that to me. Very challenging. Um, no, I don't think that's what we're saying. Because if try harder means if I do more, maybe they'll respond. If it means that, then I, I can't control whether or not somebody responds. If try harder means learn more humility or get better at listening yeah I mean it that way but I'm not I'm not up here trying to tell you what to do about a relationship other than if you're a Jesus follower I'm telling you that you have to do everything you can do to repair it because we've been told by Jesus through the unbelievable apostle Paul that we are to have the same way of treating each other as we've been treated and the way we've been treated is right there. 
heavy stuff, ain't it? One of the things I think is the case is that many of us, I don't think it's everybody, but many of us have something that's estranged. Many of us have a relationship that sort of hurts. And we don't know what to do about it. And we've tried, and maybe you've begun to examine a little bit of yourself and how you've contributed, but many of us have been really hurt by somebody. And, and we, we're hurt. It's a real thing. I love you. Many of you have had marriages that didn't make it. Oh, the last thing you need to hear, especially when Christians, Jesus followers gather, is that you did something wrong. That's not what I'm here to say. I'm here to say, oh, wrap arms around you and love you. And God is good. And we get a chance to do it again. And it's also true that we always have to take our share. And I don't mean that as, a, as blame. That's not it at all. But you might poison the next relationship if you don't sort it out in the, from the last one. I, my parents divorced. So I just watched. And I didn't get to see biblical conflict resolution. I just saw conflict. So it's very real stuff. I'm going to make fun of myself. You ready? I better look down at my notes. <laughs> Here's sort of the key verse for the day. Again, it's coming from whom? The great apostle Paul. This time he's writing not to the Greeks in Macedonia, in Philippi, but he's going to the home base. He's writing to the, the followers of Jesus, this new growing birth baby church in the city of Rome itself. Look what he says. This is your theme, my theme. If it is possible, lots of contingency there. If it's possible, as far as it depends on you, if it's possible, and as far as it depends on you, live at peace with people, with everyone. So slice that up a little bit. If possible, might not be possible as far as it depends on you. I wanted to say something about when it's not safe and not wise to try to repair or rebuild a damaged relationship. The first thing is about people who've been abused. If someone you love has been abused, or if you have been abused, the first thing is if you have been abused, it's, there's a high likelihood you haven't ever told anyone. And oh... God's heart breaks for you having been so hurt. Tell someone, but tell someone who is safe. I'm safe. Others are safe. Don't carry it anymore. Part of the reason folks carry it is they think they did something wrong and they have a powerful sense of guilt and shame. No, 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 no. If someone has abused you, do not try to repair that relationship. It's not repairable. You will have to forgive, but you don't want to go back into that relationship. Another way that I hear this happening is I hear it with, from men, and it's about business. And I hear about people who's been, who've been stolen from, white-collar stealing, like CFO accountants stealing. And if someone you've done business with simply can't be trusted, don't trust them. You have to let go of it or it will poison you. And again, the poison leaks into other relationships. You can't control it. So you have to forgive them. And that way the hurt stays attached to the place where it really happened and doesn't leak out into other relationships. So as far as possible, if it's possible and as, as far as it depends on you, be safe and be wise. Otherwise, Jesus followers. Live at peace with everyone. Now, I could do a deep dive, which I'm not going to do, into the magnificent beauty of this word peace. In Hebrew, shalom. In Greek, irene, from which we get the English name, woman's name, Irene. You may have heard the adjective irenic. Anyone? Bueller? <laughs> no? I-R-E-N-I-C? Peaceful? The, take all the religiosity out of that word. 
You know what one of the uses of it is in the Old Testament? A fence that's been repaired. Huh? Is that pretty good? So when Nehemiah is rebuilding the fence, one of the things they say is that fence had, the, the shalom has returned to the fence. It's just a repaired fence. So it's a fantastic word. And again, Jesus followers. It's, it's our mandate. It's our marching order. It's not saying, if you'd like to do this, go and do it. it Jesus is saying to us, be a person as, if it's possible and as far as you, it depends on you. Which means it, the other person's, it depends on them, not you. It doesn't, I, you have to wait for them to decide they want to do it. But as far as it depends on you, do what you can to have, be at peace. It's just Paul's way of saying the same thing to the Romans that he said to the people in Philippi. So we've presented some decisions for us. You've heard two, and we're going to get them reviewed. I would, it wouldn't bother me one bit if you on, at home got your phone out and started pay, taking pictures of the third thing that's, going, the thing that's at the bottom of the screen if you're at home or online. And here in the room, if you want to take them out, we've, we've suggested some decisions. The first decision I'm going to say a few things about that we suggested you we all needed to make. It's a way of saying, I'm going to be a person who relates to in my relationships the way Jesus did. I'm going to have the same mindset. And what Jesus, what God has done is this. God has said, I will get back to you, not back at you. I will get back to you, God says, not back at you. I will get back to you, and I'm pointing to the cross, not back at you. Remembering that Jesus, who had no sin, died for all of the sin of the planet. And he does more than just forgive us. He gives us a way back, cleaning up the mess. And that's what the cross does. The most famous verse in the Bible, John 3, 16, For God so loved the world, he gave his only son, did all who believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Look at what follows it. John 3, 17. You ready? Look, what, look at the words there. Is Jesus trying to get back at us? No. Trying to get back to us. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, to get back at it. No. But to save it, he wants to get back to us, reconcile with us. So the first decision we're being asked to make is a decision to get back to somebody, not back at them. Right? You with me? Okay. We got another verse here that helps us understand it. This is, again, Paul, this time talking to Corinth, people in Corinth. So we've, we've been Philippi, which is Macedonia. We went to Rome. That's over here in Italy. And now we're down in, in southern Greece, Corinth. Okay, Paul says this to them. All this is really fancy stuff. We're just going to read through it and then make a comment or two. All this, meaning this magnificence of the beauty of Jesus and the cross and resurrection, all this is from God who, look what God did, reconciled us to himself through Christ or through Messiah is what Christ really means and gave us and gave us you with me Jesus followers you have the ministry the service of reconciliation Paul's just repeating himself saying it 20 different ways here's the here's the mission statement God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ and that is in Messiah not counting people's messes against them their sin and he's committed to us this message. In other words, we're agents. We're operatives. You know what that world out there really needs to see? You know what your friends need to see? They need to see a regular, ordinary person who, because Jesus lives inside you, you do whatever it takes to repair a broken relationship. You do everything you can do. You do it until you have no regrets. I'm telling you, they're, they're desperate the people are desperate. And this is what Jesus says. They will know that we are his followers. You want people who are far from God to know that you're a Jesus follower? You know how that happens? By loving each other. They, they will know that you are my disciples, my followers, by the way you love each other. And we love each other by, with humility, doing everything we can do to the point of no regrets. Everything we can do, no regrets, to repair a damaged relationship. Humility, not pride and anger and defensiveness. Letting and listening well. Kathy and I say this all the time. You got two ears. You got two ears, one mouth. Do the math. So humility. Again, Jesus is the person who was the most 
humble because he emptied himself opposite of Caesar, opposite of Adam and Eve. One last verse here as we think about what it means to get back to, not back at. All the while that we're running around making a mess out of life and relationships, look at what Paul says back again to Rome. God proves or demonstrates his love for us. And while we were knuckleheads, we had no idea what he was doing. You had no idea this was going on. But while you and I were running off like Adam and Eve, wanting to do it on our own, Jesus died for us. Man, these are great marching orders. I didn't say it was easy. It's not easy. It's hard. It hurts. It's way better than anger and resentment and bitterness and holding on and having that drift into other relationships. Not just the one where the real hurt happened, but other ones. All that was just decision one. We're going to do four. Don't worry. <laughs> I'm not going that long. Let's go, to this, let's go to the next decision. Just quickly. I'm going to own my own share. Just hilariously, we talked last week about Jesus saying, look, when, you, when your brother has a problem, the first thing you need to do is take care of your own problem. He uses a business about you think your brother or sister has a speck in their eye, but you got a plank in yours. And in fact, funny, when you think somebody has a problem and you see it and you think it is a speck in their eye, you know what? It's probably a reflection of the log in yours. It's called, um, so anyway, just you got to own your own thing. That's back to humility. You, you may think you're totally innocent, but you ain't. At least, well, I'm not. <laughs> Let's get the third decision. You ready? This is new for today. And all four of them are going to come up in a couple of seconds, and that way you can get your phone out and take a picture of them and use them in, as, in your relationship with the Lord. Decision number three. I will make the first move. Ooh. I'm going to make the first move, regardless of who moved first. Now the rubber is starting to hit the road. The rubber is really starting to hit the road. Jesus doesn't let off the gas pedal here. Just look at this, what he says in, in the Gospel of Matthew. He says this. If you're offering your gift at the altar, and what this means is this is a religious kind of setting. It just means you're thankful to God and you're giving something to God. Okay? Take, it, take that from me. And you remember, all of a sudden, ding, you remember that someone has something against you. Your brother or sister has something against you. Leave it. Stop. Don't be religious. It's not about religious. Run to them. Leave your gift there at the altar and first and go work it out. In other words, what, what Jesus is saying is you want God to know that you're grateful. One, the primary way God's going to know you're grateful is that you work out your broken relationships. You see, it's not like God is separate from this. It's all a seamless blanket. And we make, we make God look really good when we work it out with each other. Again, quoting Jesus. They'll know that you are my disciples, my followers, by the way you love one another. So that's decision number three. It's inconvenient. It's irritating. I didn't do it. They did it. Roll out the welcome mat. Open the door. Say, I'm sorry. And get the ball rolling. You can't control whether or not the other person is going to want to cooperate in the rebuilding. And you don't want to be unsafe and you don't want to be unwise, but you do want to be like Jesus. So, and here's the fourth. I'm going to keep the door open and the welcome mat out. And you know what that means is it's not a one and done kind of a thing. I, I mean, this is hard enough already. Now I'm saying, hey, it's an ongoing thing. A relationship is a process. It's dynamic. So we roll out the welcome mat, and we keep it rolled out. Now, this is, I'm sitting right in the jaw. I'm, it's bothering me a lot right now because of something I'm dealing with with somebody. And i got to keep it rolled out. i got to keep the mat out. I want to roll it up. According to Jesus, I don't get to do that. i got to keep the door open. Now, I don't know what the wise way is. I'm working on it with the one particular relationship. Some of you have heard about it. 
Now, let me, let me just step aside, if I could, from talking to Jesus followers. And if I can talk to somebody online or here in the room who isn't a Jesus follower. What I mean by that is you, you're pretty clear that you think that there's a God and you believe in Jesus, but you just haven't decided yet. I'm following that dude every day. Here's what I want you to do. Paul, again, 2 Corinthians, that's Corinth, the city way down in southern Greece, chapter 5, verse 20. I beg you, be reconciled. I'm inviting you right now to trust God with your life. Be reconciled. Now, I don't know anything about you. If you're not a Jesus follower, I love you. If you are a Jesus follower, I love you. But if you're not, let me just make a suggestion, a way to think about what might be the problem with you not wanting to have that kind of faith. This is possible. It's quite possible that you've been hurt badly in some relationship, and that's in the way of you having faith. I get it. If I heard your story, I told, and I don't know your story, I get it, but I beg you, give it a shot. If that's a decision you're thinking about, keep thinking about it. If it's a decision you're ready to make, make it and tell somebody who is a Jesus follower. But look at Paul's language. Paul is with a team. We do everything here at First Pres. We're a team. We got all kinds of stuff going on. It's all teamwork. You got to have teamwork to make the dream work. And we, we have teamwork, and we're on a dream, and we want the dream to work, and it takes teamwork to make the dream work. We're going together. We ain't going alone. And Paul's saying that because he literally has people there with him as he's writing. In fact, he's not even writing. He's dictating, and he got somebody taking notes. That's how that worked back in those days. We beg of you, meaning we friends who are Jesus followers, and if you decide we're going to be here, and you know what? Every one of us who's a Jesus follower has a be reconciled to God story. Every one of us does. And how it worked for us and how it's working for us. So there. What a, what a wonderful, warm, unbelievable way that God invites us back into his presence. No coercion. No, no convincing. No controlling. No convicting. Well, maybe some convicting. <laughs> Just loving. Humility. The, the love of Jesus. So we're going to finish this way. I got things that I'm suggesting to you that you might want to take with you. Now it's another time to get out your phone if you want to take pictures. These are very challenging. This is a way to sort of put wheels on this stuff. Is it difficult for you to admit that you're worried? I mean, that you're wrong. Is it difficult for you to admit that you're wrong? Why? Or why not? Uh, awareness, as one of my coaches is telling me regularly, is curative. We become aware of things about ourselves, and all of a sudden the healing and the growth and the transformation takes place. Is it difficult for you to admit you're wrong? Why or why not? Try that one. At dinner tonight with somebody you trust, just kick it around in your life groups. Second one. What's the most difficult relationship you've ever had to repair? Yeah, that's a good one. With somebody you trust, kick it around. What would you learn when you went to repairing it? And the third thing is I'm asking you with me to memorize Romans chapter 12, verse 18. Read it with me. And we're, notice the commas and we'll read slowly. Ready? I'm going to say it this way. I'm going to say Romans 12, 18. Then I'm going to say the verse and then I'm going to say the, the, the reference again. This is how you can memorize scripture. With me? You say the, the text, the, you say the reference, then you say the verse, and then you say the reference again. I promise you, your little old feeble brain will remember it better if you do it that way. Say out loud with me. Romans 12, 18. If it is possible, as far as it depends on you, be at peace with everyone. Romans 12:18. Let me pray for us. Gracious God, we want to be at peace. We want to be at peace with you, and you have done everything. We simply have to step up into your presence. It's a decision we make. That's our part. And we want to be at peace with people, and we're going to do our part there. We're going to do everything we can do. We're going to be humble. We're going to listen well. We're going to say I'm sorry, knowing that that means we're conducting ourselves like Jesus who gave it all for us, not to get back at us, but to get back to us. 
We thank you, gracious God, that for many of us, there's a relationship that needs some kind of repair, some kind of work. And we want to be people that have the courage, the humility to go and try to welcome someone into a conversation, to do some rebuilding, to get back to. And what's really powerful is that folks that we know who are watching, who are not close to you, might go, wow, these people really mean it. They're just regular people, and they, they really are forgiving, and they really are humble. They really do listen well. I want in on that. We thank you that we get to sing a little bit more as a way of expressing our hearts towards you. In the name of the King who puts relationships back together again better than anybody, amen. I invite you to jump up. We're just going to sing a reprise of a couple of lines of the last song.